hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. And welcome to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. I've got a great show for you today. Well, I say that every week and I say it every week because I have got so many fantastic guests. I get so damn excited about it. But this is about um, how do you heal through trauma? And so when you have trauma as a child, you know, it can lead to sort of domestic violence and sexual abuse and all sorts of other things, as my guest today has experienced. But she's come out the other end, absolutely rocking it all over the world. So she's evidence that you really can push through it and make big waves across the world. So let me tell you about her. Tony Lontis is a lifestyle entrepreneur, author, speaker, blogger, and international tour host. She's also an inspirational woman who has dedicated her life's work to helping women and the men who love them find their passion, purpose, and voice. Tony's career began in the healthcare sector where she practiced as a registered nurse. Tony witnessed many lives that needed change, support, encouragement, empathy, and most importantly, love. She gave all that and thrived in this field. Despite having a wonderful career, her personal life was filled with dysfunction and trauma. The recovery work she did on herself to heal and find happiness formed the basis of her book, Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, which helped her to discover the real Tony, a woman of strength and beauty. After the publication of her book, Tony started growing her voice and quickly became a public figure, creating awareness about domestic violence, sexual abuse, and social, emotional, and cognitive health. Her passion and energy grew a large following, and this birthed many other things in her life, which were her Radio Tony live show, her podcasts, talk sessions, TV show, and mentoring, all began to experience growth. From the platform of Radio Tony, she supports victims of verbal, physical, sexual abuse and any traumatic event in their lives to tell their stories, helping many find inner peace and healing. Tony has escaped from the bounds of low self-worth, anger and pain from a dysfunctional childhood marred by a congenital facial defect, sexual assault, verbal abuse, depression, anxiety, and the failed, flawed relationships that plagued her adult years. Tony wants to be a beacon of light in a dark world, a sign of hope after trauma. She certainly is that. Welcome, Tony. Oh, thanks, Karen. I've been looking forward to this. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, you you truly are a beacon of light in a dark world. And, you know, we, we try not to make the world too dark, but, you know, there are a lot of dark corners and uh, you know, to have someone like you shining the light in there and the, your little torch with the head torch with, into the crevices, uh, that's exactly what we need. <laughs> that's exactly. a good description. <laughs> 
Uh, I love it. No, you just, I love what you're doing. I absolutely, you know, I was on your show, I don't know, a couple of months ago, you know, and I just, I just love that you, you're shining a light on people doing good things and you, you know, getting, projecting that out to the world. And I think that that, we need more of that. And I just, I love what you're doing and I love your story and which we're going to share in a minute. I I love, um, you know, I I hate that people have been through adversity, you know, and I I can't stand particularly that children, you know, go through sort of um, trauma and suffering. However, and, and there's not really a good, however, because I think it's absolute shit, but if, um, that can be turned into a positive, you know, for healing for yourself and for others. I think that that's, you know, that's the only way to be because otherwise you sit in victim mode yeah. forever and ever and it's, you're no good yeah. to yourself or the world. But um, but I still think it shouldn't happen. But anyway, it does. And so people like you, um, you know, having an impact. So I think you're awesome. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> it's very nice to actually be on the other side and have someone interviewing me instead of me being the interviewer. That's really very nice indeed. It's quite nice, except you don't know what's coming. So, you know, look out. I've got a big bundle of surprises for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Uh, well, you know, I'm really like, I, I, as I've said, I said it in the intro and I said it when I just started speaking to you, you know, that you, you truly are a beacon of light for many and, you know, yeah. success comes from pain, as we've just mentioned. And I also did touch on your childhood, you know, having a lot of trauma. And, you know, if you're happy to share, tell us, tell us a little bit about yeah. your childhood and the impact that it had on you. Thanks, Karen. Um, I guess... I I keep learning more and more about the impacts of trauma. Um, And so each time I learn something else, I fit it into my own story. I've been listening to Oprah's new book that um, talks about what happened to you. And it's actually been really good to see my childhood through that lens. So I was born with um, a congenital facial defect, a little thing called a preauricular sinus. Um, that happens in about 1% of the population across the world. Now, they're tricky little things because even though they're quite small, um, they appear on the side, usually on the side of the the face, the ear, the jaw. Um, And the problem with them is they just continue to get infected all the time, over and over and over again, without much resolve. And so what happened to me was that the surgery um, that tried to fix it didn't work and then the third lot of surgery resulted in them um they're not sure whether the surgeon nicked the facial nerve or whether it was the subsequent infection that knocked off the facial nerve but I was left with a left-sided facial palsy which looked like um I'd had a stroke as a child so um Obviously, I'm now understanding that there was trauma just around that whole process. And then I energetically absorbed the trauma from what my parents went through at that time. And then once I got to school, there was bullying, endless bullying. And then all tied into that is is low self-esteem because you don't feel like you fit in the world. And I didn't understand until recently that the inability to smile cuts off your 
communication and the way that you learn to communicate with people. I didn't realise any of that until much, much later in life. So I would not smile. And because I wouldn't smile, that elicited certain reactions in people because I was afraid to smile, scared to smile. And sometimes it hurt to smile because of the condition of my face. So add into that, you know, a dysfunctional family upbringing, low self-esteem, and then you start on the back foot as you enter adult life. And then for many women, my story follows a similar trajectory, Um, sexual assault, domestic violence, divorce, and all of those things and culminating in um, a major breakdown in my 40s. And that's the first time in my life that I started to work on me, my mental health and healing and dealing with with what had happened to me along the previous 40 years. And if you think undoing 40 years of dysfunction is easy, no. It took a good 10 years before I felt like I'd even speak about anything. And then it's the learning and education, it just goes on. So uh, childhood suffering has an impact and I'm learning that that suffering can be in some children what we look on as quite major you know mum's gone for three months or something all of those things have an impact which is fine if we recognize that and we talk about it and bring it into the light one of the key things I like to talk about is shining a light on trauma shining a light on the things that happen to us because then they cease to have power over us in our lives and I will continue to do that um and continue to tell those people's stories because it's important, Karen. The same as what you, similar to what you do in telling people's stories as well. It's, um, yeah, it's awful, isn't it? And, and, and it's exactly what you say, you know, sometimes it can be not even apparent as a trauma, you know, and, and, and yes. as we keep things to ourselves, you know, and we think I won't say anything because someone's going to say something or and then and and when you're talking about even if they're small traumas the 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 culmination of them all stacked on top of each other and yes. it becomes this, this, this dysfunction that I don't even know why why there's a dysfunction there because you can't actually pick a specific traumatic event you know but it, it's culminated in this big blob of a dysfunction and, and it happens to yeah. So many people, and you're right. We don't. We, we keep sweeping things under the mat, and we keep pushing ahead, pushing ahead. As long as we're getting success, I'm okay. You're okay. I'll just keep going. I won't talk about this. Whereas, if we developed as um, humanity that ability to openly talk about things, openly talk to children about their little traumas, and give them the capacity to talk about it at two and three and four and five before they get to a 40-year-old when it's incredibly difficult, challenging work and some of the damage is permanent. So for myself, that damage, I'll have to take antidepressants for the rest of my life. Mind you, down the track, I'd like to challenge that thought, but for the time being, that's what works for me. That's what keeps me safe. That's what keeps me sane. And that helps helps me balance my life. Um, and whatever it is that um, ultimately um, keeps you going and keeps you happy, whole and healthy, that's what you need to do, you know. That's what you need to do. The other thing about trauma, Karen, is that it will, if you don't deal with it or you don't have 
people that care enough about you in your younger life, that will manifest itself as a disease at some later stage. So not only did I have this major depression and anxiety, panic attacks and the whole raft of things in my 40s, I then developed chronic aggressive rheumatoid arthritis, an autoimmune response to the fact that your body is just plain fed up of dealing with it in a constant state of stress. And it seems so simple now, but had you told me that back then, I would have just, I would not have believed you. But the evidence suggests that those traumas early in life, if they're not dealt with, if they're not healed, they will manifest as some sort of disease later in life. I've seen it play out in so many people's lives. So that's the importance of talking about it, Karen. We have to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And you're right. And I used to do a lot of work with um, people with disabilities, with behaviours, and, you know, any dysfunction would express itself in in, in 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 incredible behaviours. You said, you know, that uh, if it's if you had have told you ten years ago, you, you wouldn't have thought it possible. And this is another difficulty because we don't actually believe anything until we've got. It. So, for example, if you keep eating fattish, you're going to have a heart attack. Yeah, but I know that. But I won't really worry about that until I have a heart attack, and then it's like shit. I, I wish I had a listen. And the and the other point to that, you talked about, you know. Um, children you know having somebody to talk to and and if we you know elicit this stuff out of kids however and, and I, I see there's two sides of this yes you're, you're absolutely right but and I keep saying but you know but it's 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 there's also that point I can which I can understand with um uh parents is like if we keep talking about oh you know like Tony how's your face are you having trouble with your face you know there's that sort of fear of parents thinking that well if I start talking about it I'm going to actually instill fear whereas if I um if I pretend everything's okay then the child thinks oh everything's okay and so it's a it is a kind of a it's a double-edged sword isn't it you know well I again I'm learning that there's ways for children to express their trauma where they don't talk like we talk so we talk in great big paragraphs But for children, apparently, they only need five to ten seconds of supportive interaction multiple times to feel safe and then they'll disclose or talk or chat at their own level. And I'm like, wow, what if all the teachers of young children approached their teaching or the childcare workers or, do you know, we would change the next generation of children, Karen, if we just understood that you don't have to elicit a whole big conversation from them. You only have to let them know that they're safe in a small interaction, five or 10 seconds, and build that trust. And eventually they will talk in their own way and you've helped start to heal whatever it is that they've experienced. And, you know, we've all got differing levels of that trauma in our lives. It's just that if we can catch it at a younger age, it's much better for everyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Going into the health healthcare sector and, and you shining in there because of the care you brought to people, do you think that was a way of um, how unconsciously perhaps, you know, helping others and helping yourself to heal by moving into that field? 
I think I think you know I I believe that the universe leads us on the journey that we need to take and although at when I was looking at work they were like teachers nurses and bank jobs that was about and I I not I'd applied for three bank jobs and didn't get them. <laughs> and so the next thing on the list was um, nursing. So off I went at 17. But, yes, um, I often remember getting uh, – we had matrons back then and, and they were the disciplinarian um, ogres at some time. They were just not really very nice people. But I remember being chastised by a matron a number of times because I would sit – with my patients by their bedside and talk to them or sew their buttons back on or or sit on their bed. And, of course, back then you weren't allowed to sit on their bed and you weren't allowed to, you know, develop a relationship or rapport with them. But, yes, that's that was very much how I felt that I could heal. And I know now that some of those gifts that I had were around um, empathy and uh, probably a bit of clairsentience um, because I often knew that people were about to pass. I intuitively knew uh, on many, many occasions, this person's actually got bowel cancer. You, they need to do blah, 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 blah and try. And, but I was always trying to hide the fact that there was that inner knowing um, and trying to use my medical and nursing experience to go, oh, well, you've actually got this and this symptom. I think that perhaps you might need to do this, this and this rather than going, look, I can see this little tumour here in your small bowel. You've got to go and get that fixed, you know. Uh, so for me, that health was about about caring and um, it was in an attempt to figure out what the hell was wrong with me. You're absolutely mm. right. I spent the majority of that going, what the hell's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? When in fact... It was what had happened to me that was causing some of the dysfunction and the behaviours in my own life. You know, I made stupid decisions, dangerous decisions, bad decisions, and I couldn't figure out where that was coming from. And it all actually stems back to, you know, some trauma and dysfunction. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't see it back then. Yeah. No, we never do. We, that's the thing. Now, I want to talk about the matron in a sec because I just want to, you know, add a bit of humor, add a bit of humor to this bit. Uh, but first of all, I don't know if anyone can hear those, the the, uh, the trucks going past. It's always as soon as you hit record, every truck, you know, has to go past. But before yes. there was some dead set dickhead, I don't know if you heard him roaring up there because you know what happens when the when the rain starts? All the dickheads. Yes, open I do. The carports and out they go. Yeah. <laughs> So some 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 moron was driving up there. So if you heard that, I apologise. But the, the the matron when I was um because you you know I I'm fifty eight. So we're talking around yeah we're similar ages yeah 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 and and I, when I was one um you know I was so I mean I was walking and talking when I was nine months old and I was I had my own my own decisions about how life should be yes. and anyway mum tried to um feed me something other than lamb's brains and now when I think about that I'm like oh Jesus God, I can't believe I ate it and 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 I used to throw it across anything else other than lamb's brains it got thrown across the kitchen so mum ended up going to the doctor and say what am I going to do with this child and the doctor said well she goes it's either her goes to hospital or you go to hospital so mum put me in hospital and, and I actually can still remember, I was one and I can still remember in the being in the children's um, room, it was yeah. sort of room right up there and, you know, with the giraffes and elephants all, all on the wall and the bloody matron 
and she she came in. I remember standing up, my God. She came in. She said, oh, you're a very, very, very naughty girl. <laughs> and if I could have given the middle. They would. They were scary, Karen. Those matrons, they were scary. Like when we when I went nursing, I had to get a pass out to leave the nurse quarters to go home on the weekend. <laughs> Very different now. <laughs> I love it. Thank goodness. Yeah, I know. So you, you know, you, you, we said in the intro, you know, that you were doing the nursing and everything was fine, but in the background, your personal life was yeah. full of dysfunction and trauma. Did you leave the the healthcare um, sector because you said, you know what, uh, there's something going on. I really need some time out to fix this, or you know, would did you just see greater things for you? What you're doing now? So I I actually stayed in nursing until the bitter end. So I had a bit of a break to have the the kids, but then I went back in and and kept searching for that. What's wrong with me? What's yeah. better? So that that actually went. I drove myself. I did big product projects. I pushed myself further and further and and you know finally made it up into the corporate echelons of, of Queensland Health at the time and you know managing statewide uh, projects and big hospital expansions so highly motivated driven and organized however all it took to unhinge me was um, one day at work when a colleague uh, said to me you know um i think that your emails are inappropriate or the the group of um, my colleagues had said or they they took homage to one of the emails i'd sent which was just me being tony and uh, you know open and honest and saying i think i said um this is wasting time and energy it we really need to do blah 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 and so they all took offense at that because they're public servants and they think that they're their job is the end of the world and so that was all it took and I had my first breakdown and I started crying and it didn't stop for three days until I finally thought uh I'm this is really bad I feel really bad I better go to the GP and that was the first time in my life that I actually accepted help because he sat me down and said Tony your brain and your mind are in trouble. Your body is closely following behind. You're having a mental and physical breakdown. I think you've got major depressive disorder that's been untreated. Here's what I need to do. You need to stop work. You need to get some counselling. You need to get some therapy. And we're going to try some drugs. And I just cried for weeks and weeks and weeks. But I did what I was told for the first time and started on that journey. And I'll be forever grateful for that GP who sat me down that day and said, this is what's happening in your brain. It's no longer functioning normally. And unless we do an intervention, it's going to be a bad outcome. You're not going to make it to 50 because you might actually kill yourself because I was having, you know, deep, dark, suicidal thoughts and my self-esteem was just, I thought that I was nothing and no one and nowhere. So from that point of realisation, oh, my God, this is bad, <laughs> I need to get some help, and just starting from there. And it took, you know, 10, 12 years to get back to some sort of normalcy. So quite a lot of hard work. 
Yeah. Were there any um, strategies or practice, you know, therapies or, or specific uh, that, that really helped that you, you, that you. I think number one was starting to educate myself around how the brain functions and what trauma does to your brain pathways and how you get stuck in a fight or flight um, mode and it gets stuck there all the time. So it's just trauma on trauma on trauma. Then you're vulnerable, your self-esteem's low, so you pick bad people to hang around with and pick bad partnerships in life. But uh, so number one, it was just the GP that day explained it to me so simply, just said your brain is misfiring. There's a <laughs> malfunctioning and this is what we need to do. So number one, and then one of the therapists I went to in the first couple of weeks uh, could see how I was struggling and she just broke it down really simply and said, Tony, when it's really, really hard and dark and you want to end your life, I want you to stop. I want you to sit down and I just want you to breathe and I want you to breathe in and breathe out. I don't want you to not think about anything else. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to be anywhere. You don't. And I did that, Karen. I did that solidly for the first six months. And I still do that from time to time as a, as a coping me mechanism. But what that does inside your brain is take it out of lizard brain. It takes it out of protection mode and it calms your whole system down. So those little things were most helpful. And then it was about tackling trying to sleep and it was about making sure I had um, a walk and it was about um, I got myself a puppy and discovered that this little puppy loved me unconditionally and how could you, that brightened my day. So it was lots of little things that then started me on that journey and kept me going then once my brain was engaged in figuring out what happened to me then there was that search and as I've uncovered more and discovered more and learned more lots of reading lots of research and yes I had to stop working for the first time in my life I had to stop it was like a reckoning so you can't do the work and keep working. You have to stop and you have to start journaling and all the rest of it that comes with that healing and self-education. Yeah, and I think the the raising it from the unconscious to the conscious, you know, is is the very biggest definitely step because once it's there, you've got something to work with. Whereas before, it's just kind of like feelings and emotions and you know dysfunction. Yeah, and you don't know where that comes from. And and that was for me, that was finally like a discovery. Oh my god, that's where that anger comes from. Oh my god, that's where that. that particular feeling comes from and then you can start to rewrite the, those conversations you have in your, in your head and all of us have them I don't care who you think you, that you don't everyone has conversations in their head and when you're in that very bad place they're horrible conversations and you need to start changing them one conversation at a time until you get to a point where it's you know pretty positive most of the time yeah and, and I also love you you the puppy because you know part of yes 
you know, when we're talking about really dark moments, one of the best things to do is to have somebody or something, you know, I call it an, an animal or somebody. So somebody else to serve, you know. So when you when you're responsible for somebody else and, you, and you, your mind is on, well, I've got to keep them alive, you know, I've got to look after them. It, it tends to take the focus away from yourself, and you know, it's a. I think there's a, there's a therapy dogs and all that sort of stuff is is oh, very underestimated. Definitely, the power and of Karen. I, I Bella's been gone for three years now, so she lived to the ripe old age of uh, almost twelve. But and she died, interestingly enough, from a huge liver cancer. And the vet, it was like she bore and took on all of my sadness because she would lie at my feet with her head. She she was a King Charles Cavalier Maltese, and so she had these big droopy fluffy ears and she would lie with her head and ears draped over my feet and she would lie in bed beside me and lick my tears as I cried like just buckets and buckets and buckets of tears or she would uh, curl up in a little ball when I was curled up in a little ball beside me she was just with me like no one else and very much part of the healing process yeah uh, yeah we we underestimate dogs like their their intelligence and their their, Absolutely. their and their spirituality and you know any and i'm gonna say it i don't care who hears this or who hates you i can't give a fuck you, if you heard an if you had a dog if you had any animal you're yes. a freaking prick but if you heard a dog you're just the lowest absolutely asshole in the world you know to- I, that actually that physically causes me pain to think of anyone you know I've mentioned the goats before so we've only got one little puppy left now um but we've still got seven goats and I tell you those goats are just like a big four-legged dog they're just as cuddly and intelligent and all the rest of it yeah I had I had twin um baby boy goats you know from one day old yeah yeah they used to jump on my car they used to come inside they looked looked at themselves they bond to you (laughs) they bond yes oh yeah yeah (laughs) incredible incredible well now what um what was a catalyst to you writing your book now let me i'm going to read it so i don't bugger it up resilience memoir of a broken little girl At at what point did you say you know i'm going to write a book or i'm ready i've got all this stuff and it just it has to come out and and you know what, what was the thing that made you decide to do that So I guess um, five years into my um, therapy and and work on myself, I found a psychologist who really helped me um, get ahead with all the things I was dealing with and explained them in a way that I could really understand. And so part of her process was to start journaling and start writing about it. And so I'd done that um, for a fairly long time before thinking about a book. And then I got to like the 10-year mark and I started to tentatively tell people about what had happened to me. And it was during that process when I started to open up to people other than my um, psychologist that people started saying, gosh, you should write about your story. People need to hear things like this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, it's pretty dark and and dreary sort of story really but as um as I got more um healing under my belt I started to think that 
that it's not the story's not about me. It's actually about the healing, hope, and help that it might give someone else. And once I sort of thought about that in that way, then the book started to to percolate. And um, I actually um, got an editor who was a psychologist. Um, uh, English master sort of person who had the psychology background to edit the book in the way that we showed the psychology of of certain behaviours. And um, by the time I actually got to publication, I was quite happy. Um, That doesn't mean that the first time I got on stage and talked about my story, I wasn't, as Brene Brown would say, have a vulnerability hangover because that very much happens. <laughs> you very much feel, you know, I've talked about my story. <laughs> yeah. um, but but by and large, the response from people who listen is about how helpful it was to them in understanding their own life, their own story and their own trauma. And that's what it's about. It, it's not about me. It's about the learning and help that you can give other people because, God, I'd I'd do anything to prevent people going through what I went through. Even one of the things like, you know, I would, yep. that would be wonderful. No, a hundred percent. And I had, you know, Nikki, my partner on a, a few weeks ago, do you know, and, and she was talking about, you know, she uh, lived with someone with men, really bad mental health for a long time. And you know, she's been umming and ahhing about writing about that as from the carer's perspective. You know, from a and, and the hell that you go through from that perspective without without shaming the other person, but then we also have um you know Dan Dan Eddy on just just you know the last week week before and talking about mental health and how how you can, you can still have mental health issues but you can still do great things you know by absolutely and also uh, absolutely people in your situation the people who have had um domestic violence or sexual assault you know like w- i think yeah. the, the common thread with all of these and with the writing and with the sharing stories is that um there are many people who get who get trapped in that world of what happened to me and and fair enough and rightly yes. so but it's not until other people talk about it you know where they where they see oh they went through it too and i'm not alone you know and and they yes. came from the other and it gives hope, and I think I think stories need to be shared by those who are strong enough to share them, so that yeah. you know it's only when you don't feel alone and and you see someone else has been through it and they've come out, you start to see hope for yourself. Do you, you know? Absolutely. Therapists and um, psychs can tell you any thing while you're lying on the couch and and you're not gonna it doesn't mean shit until you actually see the you know examples of it and and it starts to you start to see yourself in those examples and you start to think oh yeah there is there is hope for me so maybe I can do it yeah yeah. I I love it and and did did when you wrote the book did it kind of um when you talked about you know Brene Brown the vulnerability hangover and that did did writing the book suddenly throw you into the limelight you know you know and you weren't expecting it or did you deliberately use it to leverage your voice or both I I I wrote the book and I actually didn't have much of a plan Karen and so the universe has actually put things in my path 
presented opportunities that have led me on a path that I would never have conceptualized ever. Um, this woman talking to you today, when I published the book, I wouldn't get on phone calls with people that I didn't know. I wouldn't talk openly about what I'd been through, but the book causes you to, you have to talk about the book. And then it, it's led me on this journey of um, broadcasting now and telling people stories and, and sharing their, um, their stories with the world. I would never have predicted that, but part of the healing, part of the healing journey is that just let go and follow your intuition and listen to your intuition. And that's exactly what I've been doing and just following it ever since. And so the the whole broadcasting thing just came from a chance conversation. You know, I was producing the audio book version and I wasn't going to do it myself. I was going to pay an actress to do it. The producer said, no, you need to narrate your book. And I was scared. And the process was quite arduous, like it's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of recording. But at the end of that, she sat me down and said, you've got a beautiful voice. Has no one ever told you how beautiful you are? And I'm just like, no, no one's ever told me that. And she said, you should think about radio or, or podcasting. And so the spark of an idea was born in that moment. But I had no idea that it was going to go to America and live streaming and worldwide audience and the rest of the stuff that's happened. So um, I, I think that the point is that once you allow yourself that healing, once you allow yourself to, once you start working on yourself, it, you never know where it's going to take you. And again, it comes back to that hope. Like I'm a middle-aged girl, um, gal in a male-dominant industry of, of media, um, doing what I love, passionately talking to people, and that's what's come from dealing with my trauma, talking about my trauma, writing a book, bang, 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 bang. It just It's gone on and on and on. So... Uh, you don't know what you can create once you start working on yourself and once you start healing because then all sorts of good things start to come about. So that hard work is well worth it is what I'm trying to say. Do the hard work, it's well worth it. But I agree with you and it's it's it's, it's a hard thing because – you know, there, there's one school of thought that says you have to you have to plan, you have to have a strategic plan, and you know, and that's what you have to do, and step by step, and have an action plan. Yes. Yeah. And then there's another school of thought that is hand it over to the universe and see what happens. And you know, for both of my books, I have no plan. The universe has led me. You know, as as my first book has opened me up to everything I've got now. Magnificent kids, you know, and get off the bench has got me speaking all around the world and. If I, had a, yes. if I had strategically planned that, I, it wouldn't have been that journey, do you know? And, and it is far more fulfilling than what I could have conjured up in my mind to be a plan. But I think that, um, you know, the, the, there's also a lot of vulnerability and trust in actually saying, well, I've, done, I've put all this work into it. Uh, I'm just going to sit on the side of my desk and see what happens. There's That's yeah. That's just as scary. In fact, that's scarier. It is very scary. 
because you you don't have the control, and, and human beings like to control. You know, if if I set up a plan to talk, um, I've got control. I'm going to control the steps and blah blah blah. But to sit it there and say, well, universe, uh, you can take over from here, it's kind of like oh, it, it, nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to like my book. You know, it's never going to sell. I'm never. But in fact, I've. I've of the people that I know that have let things go to the universe, they have created far greater things than they ever could have yeah. up in their mind, you know, and it allows for possibility. Yeah. Whereas if we control it, we don't we don't see as great a possibility as the universe is. And, and no. some of them listen to this and think, oh, you, you two are bloody off on your woo in your woo-woo heads, do you know? Like, but no. You've got to. There's something, Karen. In that year that I um, published the book, 2019, I vowed in that year, 2019, I was going to say yes to things that were presented to me, no matter how terrified I was. Yeah. And I did that, and you know, the first six months in front of that microphone, I was physically sick <laughs> before each show, but I just kept doing it because I thought that there was something in this that that something was driving me forward so I just went with that and it's now down the track that I'm like now I'm starting to think about you know strategic foundations and missions and visions and values and all that sort of stuff and sort of a bit backtracked but you know I think if you allow things to transpire we're in inherently creative particularly women we create human beings so Therefore, why can't we create anything that we desire? Why can't we create big communities of in interconnected humans? Why can't we have big impacts? And and I think that this time is ours, Karen. I think we, this is this is a woman's there's, there's feminine energy rising up to balance the millennia of masculine energy, and I think it's happening in a big way. And I'm that excites me. Yeah, it excites me too. I think it's fan and I so agree with you. We can create so much stuff. I, you know, is is it possible? Yeah. I just think we've got to uh, keep asking ourselves that question all the time. What's possible? What's possible? And and if it's if it's possible, then then you can do it. You know, it's it's. I'm not going to say we can do anything because we can't. I can't be a bloody brain surgeon. Do you know? But if if you can see that it's possible for you to do it, then just Go the hell after it, you know. Just give it a go. Yeah, I always say, you know, this is something I've learned recently is, and and I, I've I've yeah. set myself up this year for a hundred re rejections. I've hardly got any because, and I and it, but it, it's great because it means you're reaching out to do great big things, you know. But there's yes. you know, something I've learned recently is do one big thing a week, and in, in any in big thing like you know email Renee Brown. You know that that sort of stuff. Send an email. So ring up buddy Richard Branson. You know Ian Ian Spear yeah. was just on. You know he was talking about. He just rang up where I don't come in. What is it in Calcutta? You know Mother Teresa's um, where she lives. Yeah. And says, Can I speak to Mother Teresa? And they said, Yeah, ring back next week. So you know, like go for, and and he did, and he brought it to Canada. So the the thing is, yeah. you do fifty two of those things a year. Even if only seven of them come true, you are seven ginormous steps ahead of yes. anywhere you'd be. Yeah. And get comfortable with the rejections. Just get comfortable with it because, it, and they're not personal. Yeah. Just, just go for it. So you started Radio Tony, and um, 
Yes. You know, talking about, you know, doing this big media stuff in, in a man's man's media world, and here's you are, this middle-aged woman, but I think you hit on something uh, quite uh, you know, poignant where you said uh, uh, you're passionate, you know, you've got the, you're, you're passionately breathing yeah. through this voice. And clearly it was, you were meant to sort of, you know, shine your light through the crevices of the male media. And <laughs> here I am, you know, <laughs> so you started as a platform to help others share their stories. And, and did, did that happen organically? I mean, I know you said, you know, that person said you should do radio or did yeah. you specifically seek out um, a platform with impact? I, it started like in the humblest of ways, um, that chance comment, um, I think maybe six weeks down the track, um, I was, you know, trying to build my social media platforms and just connecting to lots of different people and connected to a media company CEO um, out of Florida, a company called Talk for Media. And just chatting and I asked questions because I liked, I'm very curious. So I always ask lots of questions. They'll either answer me or they won't. I don't, don't care. But um, that, that just led to a conversation. And he said, I want to jump on a call with you. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> never heard of Skype before. <laughs> said, this is what you do. <laughs> set up your Skype account and I'll get on Skype and I'll have a talk. And we had a chat and and a half-hour conversation turned into an hour and a half and that's how Radio Tony was born. He said, because um, the conversation was about podcasting and, and he said, why would you bother podcasting when I can give you a platform that will let you stream uh, live worldwide? And I'm like, well, that sounds Darn scary. Um, what the hell thinks you? Why? Why me? Why? Said, oh, you've got a really good story. You should you talk about. It. I'm like, oh. Anyway, got it all organised, and that's where Radio Tony. So I started with audio streaming only, live streaming shows, and then the live shows converted to a podcast. And then I realised down the track that I really, really loved doing this. That I. I loved creating safe spaces for people to shine, for them to share their knowledge and wisdom and stories with the world. And so that segued into um, another platform in the United States where they offered you audio and video streaming on the live shows and they could tell you your audience statistics and analytics and who was listening and a whole range of other good things that they provide. So I sort of swapped to them and then thought, okay, I really am enjoying this. Um, they're paid platforms. And so then I realised, well, I need this needs to generate an income for me. And that's when I started the packages for co-hosted series of shows with business owners. So I, my job is to get together with that business owner, um, find out their all the good things about their business, ask them the right questions so they shine. And that goes out to a worldwide audience, which is now um, the US, Canada, Russia, Germany, UK, everywhere. And also they have the capacity using Restream to stream live onto your socials. So you simultaneously you're going out across all these platforms and all these airwaves creating a bigger impact. And then after the live show, you get the podcast and that's distributed worldwide. And Radio Tony podcasts have steadily been sitting in 3 to 5% of podcasts across the world, wow. which 
I didn't even know that until um, a PR a connection in the US said, have you seen this? And I'm like, oh, oh that's good. <laughs> oh, she was wow. very excited, but I was, I didn't realise, I, I didn't know. And then Binge TV approached me and said, we want your content on Binge TV in the US. And then we started that and then they said, Okay, so now we've got um, another offer. Your content can go onto the your own channel on uh, an app. So all smart TVs, LG, Roku, um, and Samsung smart TVs, you can find Tony TV as a channel. So all my content wow. goes on there. So I just I'm trying to get the people that I talk to out as as far and wide as possible, and sometimes it doesn't work most of the time it works in some way and sometimes it has a huge result so one of the um women that i had a series of shows for early in the year she went on to um get her own network series show based on her work with me and what i taught her over the course of doing the shows together so that's pretty cool that's awesome. and i <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i just think that i just think that you can use non-traditional media in a way that suits you and still get the sorts of results that traditional media but it's like a fraction of the cost it's yeah. a fraction of the cost so you've got six a series of six shows for a quarter of the price that would cost you to run a 30 second ad on national tv Wow, that's going to work. Okay, and you what's going to work better? And it's not just one country; it's the whole bloody world. It's amazing. Yeah, and then but you get the files; they become your files. They're your podcast files. They're your video files. You can chop them up, repurpose them, use them on your website, train your staff, whatever you want. Like I just having that capacity and trying to and and letting people know that they have that capacity to do their own thing so you might you might want to go on channel 7 but they're going to keep you to 5 minutes and they're going to tell you what you can and can't do because whereas this creates your own space you can you can swear if you like you can play music you can interview whoever you want what a better way to and you know create impact across the world i love, I love it i love it oh i love it too and you know and, and if you go on the um mainstream tv and stuff they they chop it all up anyway and they only put the bits on that you wish they didn't put on and they didn't put all the good correct <laughs> yep more and more people across the world are choosing to what they will tap into so either a live stream that they want to tap into or a podcast or um, a, a show series like my my channel. So people are choosing that over mainstream um, media all the time. There's a huge predictive rate of growth in that area and mm. I'm just really happy to be part of it. Oh, but you're not just part of it. You're facilitating it. Like, you know, so people can just come to you. You you not only give them the, the, the six shows. I mean, of course, they're going to pay for it. But as you said, it's very affordable, you know, for what you're getting for the um, exposure and for the, the reach that you get. And it's, yes, you know, it's, it's such a such a great thing. Plus you're teaching them. Plus you get the files. Plus you, it, it's, it's a 
it's magical. And I mean, Karen, I'm invested in their success. I want the businesses that I work with, they're like my family. I still talk to most of them all the time because they'll email me and go, hey, someone just contacted me from Germany. They saw my show from October last year. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So you never know. You just, there's, there's, I like to impart people with that belief that they, the right people will see them at the right time and they'll get the right message. And that's the faith that you try and instill in people as well. Yeah. And that is it, isn't it? It's it's like you, you can't say, oh, I only want this to go to America because I only want Americans bigger or oh, bloody whatever. Because like you said, that guy in Germany, you know, one person, it only takes one person from somewhere yeah. in the world to come up with a great idea that includes you and your entire world can change just in that. And you yeah. can never have um, planned or strategically organised that person, you know. Nope. And if you try to get to certain people, it's, it's just, you know, impossible. But I agree, the right place, right time, you know, yeah. right belief. You've got to believe You've yes. got to believe that the universe will connect you to the and, – and I have to say, since I surrendered to that concept, that is without a doubt what keeps happening. Each week I'll, I'll meet with someone that blows my mind and blows me away. Yeah. And people that I've met with previously will send me things like, hey, Tony, you want to try out this little piece of software I've written that does X, Y, Z? And I'll go, like my friend, um, one of my friends in America, Matthew um, Pollard, uh, made this little program that attaches to Google Chrome and it allows you to speak um, content, audio, and reply to emails. Wow. So, so it just, you get the email on Gmail, this little microphone comes up, you click on it, you record a message, and bang, it sends it, off it goes. Drops your emails like piling up till not getting to them for a week like just magic just little things like that that make people's lives that's that's what keeps me happy just hey guys let me share this with you this is really helpful but it's but the fact that you're invested too like there's a lot of people who sell products and sell programs and sell this and sell that and it's kind of like you know it's a transactional thing do you know it's just kind of like well you give me the money i'll give you free shows and and goodbye and you know and but when I don't think there's room for that in the world anymore I think that it's all about building relationships and truly being invested in the success of the other person and not 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 just if you're successful I get ticks on the board it's about I really want to cheer you on because you're absolutely leading and yes because I really believe in in you and your business and I really think that the world needs to hear about you and your business so absolutely and so when you send me this podcast I will put it on Tony TV in on binge as well because like people need to go oh Karen what's Karen about oh let me google because everyone google stuff now and it might be the solution that they're looking for you know hundred percent I do every time I see someone I'm like who's that and I google yes I might only sit there for three seconds and sometimes I might, you know, click on another five things, but it's it's this it's the immediacy of the internet, you know, that we Absolutely. can instead mm-hmm. of just being like untouchable faces, do you, you know, because that's what it used to be. Yes. 
now we can just yeah. go oh i like the sound of that person i'm just going to um click connect on linkedin and i'm just going to send them a message hey do you want to be on the podcast you know, and do you know what most most people say yes and, isn't that fun though yes isn't that fun though karen like it's just that was the fun thing for me was finding people oh gosh i'd really like to talk to that person oh gosh i'd really like to talk to that person it's kind of swung back the other way now where people are contacting me and saying, you know, I want to be on the show or blah, 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 and I've got to be, like, really careful. But but it's still like, of course I'll get you on the show. If that's, you know, like, of course. Yeah, but you do have to be careful. I agree with that because um, I've had a few people that approach me and they've been like, you know, they're, they're the number one thing they're promoting is, you know, I made six figures in a year and I'll show your audience how to do that too. Yeah. And, you know, while yeah. I'm sure all of my listeners would love to make, you know, $100,000 in the first year, that's not the reason. It's not that easy. Well, And that's not the reason to get off of the bench exists. And the other thing is, too, that, yeah, you might make it, but how much did you spend in, uh, you, how much were you, were you cost? And then I always think, too, that I, I get a little bit shitty with people going, oh, six figures, six figures, six figures. Well, everybody that works down at the the Shire offices and, you know, that works in many. Make six figures. I'm making six figures. So, you, you know, like it's not, it's not really anything to be writing home about. I want to know that you've got a good heart. I want to know that you're changing the world. I want to yes. know that you're caring about. I want to know you're back yeah. in a time of challenge, you know, because to yeah. me, my audience is, 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 as far as I believe anyway, are, are people that are just, just waiting for that right person to hit the airwaves on my show where they say, oh, my God, maybe I can, maybe I can, yes. you know. Yes. And yes. then they're living a life they love. And to me, that is what Get Off the Bench exists for. So it's, it's exactly you know, and, and you've you've really I've I've loved what we've talked about. I've loved that you've brought out, you know, um, ha- how you can heal after you know any sort of pain and how other people can take that message and you know really start to apply it to their own lives or or to, or to give some hope to their own lives. So I have I love this. I'm going to ask you my big question. You know, I, I don't know if I should. I always think I wonder if I should keep this question in, but ah, screw it, I'm going to ask you anyway. So this podcast is about um, get off the bench to inspire people, you know, to take action. Of course, back themselves. So, what advice would you give to somebody who has experienced trauma to whatever degree and is feeling worthless and like they have nothing to contribute to the world? Do you know if if you're listening to this right now? Number one, you are never worthless. And number two, you're alive, you're unique, and there is a place in this world for you. Do you realize that there was only one you and that there's someone out there that can only hear their message from you? So if you don't look after yourself, if you don't get your healing, and if you don't start on that road that you feel like you need to take, they miss out. And, you know, you can't deprive them of you and your unique thoughts and your unique vision. Don't deprive the world of you. You are really special and just know that you're not worthless. No human being on this planet is worthless. No one, no one, nowhere. There's a reason. And even if it is just the fact that your smile brightens the day of that bus driver as you get on that bus, that's important. That's impactful and that's precious. 
Love it. I absolutely love it. I know so many people who need to hear that. That is just, I love it, love it, love it. And I have loved this conversation. And you, every time I talk to you, it's just, you know, we, we go down our 50. Our I know. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's fantastic. And I think people. I think we rock, Karen. We rock, really. We do. Yeah. We, this has been magnificent. Now, I would love for people to, um, you know, if they've got a business or if they've got, you know, a message or a book or and they want to go through your program Absolutely. and all that sort of stuff. So where can people find you to connect with you to get that moving? You jump on radiotony.com. That's the simplest place to go. That's where all my co-host information, my guest information, contacts, forms, uh, resources, freebies, all on radiotony.com. Failing that, if you like the heart-centred, mindfulness, grateful, gratitude, that sort of stuff, that's on tonylontis.com, T-O-N-I-L-O-N-T-I-S.com or radiotony.com. Those are my two websites. Otherwise, Google Radio Tony, Google Tony Lontis, something will come up that you need to see or hear. Yep, that's fantastic. my simplest explanation. And I love people to contact me. I love email. Send me an email. Um, I've now got this little tool. I can actually send a voice recorded email response back to you. So, yeah, <laughs> info at radiotony.com or info at tonylantis.com. And I'm sure Karen will have the rest of the connections attached to the podcast. Karen, yeah. thank you so much. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And, yes, I will put them all on uh, in the show notes, but there's also LinkedIn. So, you know, connect with Tony on LinkedIn, so Tony Lontis on, on LinkedIn. But I, I've loved this yeah. so much and I'm so grateful for you giving up your hour because well, it's always more than an hour because we chat so much. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. But listen, thank you so much for all your wisdom and for your sharing and for, you know, all the stuff you do and you just your evidence that, you know, it doesn't matter what happens to you. If you take care of yourself and you surrender to the universe and just, you know, really just believe that there can be better things for you in the future, you know, you're evidence of that and um, you're doing amazing things all around the world. And who would have thought that broken little girl um, could be, having an impact globally so I so appreciate you sharing your story and so appreciate you uh, having faith in yourself and that the world hasn't missed out on what you've got to offer so important so thank you they missed out for a long while but I'm trying to make up for that (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) all right well well, thank you so much and um, we'll catch up soon thank you darling thank you so much (laughs) see ya Bye. Oh, guys, that was fantastic. It's such an important topic that women need to believe in themselves. And, you know, there's, as I said, you know, you may not have gone through a big trauma or as a child, but, you know, all of these little traumas add up and they do compound and they do make us start doubting ourselves. And sometimes we just think we don't have the power to, you know, make a difference. But as Tony said, you know, just letting one thing unfold after the next and, taking that time to invest in some self-healing. And now look, you know, she's got this radio show that is is hitting the airwaves all around the world, which is 
absolutely fantastic and evidence that you really can make a difference and you really can have an impact despite anything that may have happened to you. And if you're interested in uh, getting your business out there or getting any your information all around the world, please go check out Tony because it's a fantastic offer and it's really, really cheap for what it does compared to other um, media outlets and all that kind of thing. So don't forget uh, radiotony.com and I will put everything in the show notes. So th- again, thank you so much for joining me every week. I absolutely love the people that I bring to you and I really hope you love them as much as I do. So have a great week and I'll see you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.